I met these girls that invited me into the porn industry. I am presented with this thing that I don't want to do that. That's not what I'm pursuing, but it wasn't far from the way I was living my life. Everything all of a sudden blew up because of one decision I made. And then I was in this crossroads where many people find them, themselves where you do something that you shouldn't have done or something happens to you and then you allow that thing to dictate the rest of your life. Do I continue down this road where my feelings and my shame and my guilt to dictate the way that I live my life or find some people I'm honest and I heal and I brush myself off? I left the porn industry and I found Jesus. I am honored to have Joshua Boone with me today. And I love your description as I was researching. It says, pastor and former porn star. And I love that, the the cheekiness of that, because you embrace that um, openly so that people can find healing. And anyone listening might be like, okay, where is this conversation going to go? But I want to ask you first, how did you first find yourself in the ladder? What led you to being in the the thick of the porn industry. What steps got you there, if you don't mind sharing? Yeah. Um, well, first of all, thank you so much for having me. <laughs> yeah, thanks. Uh, sorry. I always jump yeah, way too deep. Oh, but it's all good. I, 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 love, I love your family. Um, Arden's amazing. Addison is one of my best friends. And uh, John is my hero. So, I mean, I, uh, I, I love, I love, love uh, you guys so much. But um, I would say, for me, I grew up in a small town. Um, without a dad and yeah. what was unique about me growing up without a dad was that dad that I didn't have in my life he was just down the street so seeing the thing that I didn't have and having a tangible reminder of the reason that made me feel inadequate it was I would say it amplified how I felt Did and, you knew he was your dad that young yeah yeah so I mean just on like super small town, like one grocery store, one gas station. Um, so knew that he was my father. And I and as I get as I got older, I mean, in even from his perspective, I you know, in in retrospect, I'm, I'm empathetic in a way that I mean, shame amplifies, you know. So I would say him knowing I was there and there being a level of separation. I would say he was probably struggling with some of the same things I was struggling with. But, you know, as a kid growing up, it, it started as confusion and then it grew into frustration. And being someone who has a high achiever personality, I thought, okay, um, I feel, you know, inadequate. I feel less than, I don't feel valuable. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to try to, you know, fill that gap through accomplishments. So I'm going to, you know, make the best grades. I'm going to be the best athlete. And then I started modeling and acting when I was like 13 or 14 and had a lot of success doing that. And, you know, average, average age of exposure today is eight years old. That's and um, just three years ago, it was 13. And, and that's when I was first exposed to pornography and often the things that you're exposed to dictate you know the, the decisions you make later on in life yeah and for me you know Romans 12 2 talks about how 
you're either being conformed by the world or you're being transformed by the renewing of your mind. So for mm-hmm. me, I the only teacher I had was the world, and I didn't have a man speaking to my life. I didn't have a an example of a healthy dynamic between a husband and a wife. I I never saw that ever in my life. So for me, I was learning through experience and through media and wrongly through pornography. And I'm just living that life and really fell in love with acting. I went to college, studied theater for a few years, and then ended up moving Hollywood and um, you know pursuing my dream out there. So I thought if I put myself in closer proximity to the industry I wanted to be in, that would be advantageous for my career. And it was, got an agent, started doing stuff. But like many people who are in Hollywood uh, chasing their dream, you got to get a, a job to uh, mitigate those expenses. Yeah. And um, I was uh, I was working at like a, a high profile like bar slash club or whatever. And I met these girls that invited me into the porn industry. So I I am presented with this thing that I don't want to do that. That's not what I'm pursuing, but it wasn't far from the way I was living my life. So I thought, okay, I'll check it out. How detrimental could it be? I thought like if I did one film, how detrimental to my career? And I would probably just do it one time and not do it again. And then I did one film, you know, back in the day when I did this, uh, because this was, you know, 15, 16 years ago when I did my first film, it went viral and a lot of people saw it. And then my fraternity brothers from college were sending it to me. And eventually even, you know, my, my family found out about it and that was just humiliating. And, um, my agent, my mainstream agent also found out about it, which led to me very quickly getting removed from mm-hmm. that agency. That side, you know, that, cause like everything that I was pursuing all of a sudden blew up because of one decision I made. And then I was in this crossroads where, Many people find them, themselves in, in some context where you do something that you shouldn't have done or something happens to you and then you allow that thing that happened either to you or the thing that you did, you allow that thing to dictate the rest of your life because you, you're, you're faced with, okay, um, do I continue down this road where my feelings and my shame and my guilt and you know the, the, the weight of what happened? Do I allow that to dictate the way that I live my life or do I realize that was just an event or a series of events or a season and I find some people I'm honest and I heal and I brush myself off and then even if I can't continue going in the direction I was going, there's a better direction I can go instead of leaving a life of compromise. But what's true is it's so much easier to continue to compromise. It's so much easier to continue doing what you've always done, um, even if it's unhealthy. Because you know, anyone that lives in this like traumatic, chaotic space for a long time, you know, from the outside looking in, it doesn't make sense. But to the person that's familiar with chaos, there's comfort in the middle of mm-hmm. chaos because that's what you know. And you always gravitate to what you know. So that's that's what I did. I believed, okay. You know, that's the dangerous thing about a lie. You know, I, I believe if you believe a lie to be true, it's true to you. And through that lie, you see the world. And I believe there was nothing else I could do other than to continue doing porn 
So I did. And at the same time, I was like, well, if I'm going to do anything, I just who I am, um, I, I can't stand the thought of being mediocre at anything. So it's like, well, I'm going to become the best. And I made millions of dollars. I won all the awards. I did all the things that I thought would bring me happiness. I thought being famous, being rich, you know, I really believed, you know, remove the pain from my heart. Mm -hmm. It would make me feel like I was somebody that people were applauding, even if I knew it, you know, wasn't good. I thought, well, if I did these things and I became these things, the pain would go away. Mm -hmm. And when it didn't work, it amplified the anxiety, it deepened the depression to the point where I wanted to take my life. And, you know, that's, that's how I got into the industry. And really the, I was faced with either I'm going to take my life, I'm going to rot. And obviously I ran. Well, thank goodness. It's, I love that hearing your story, it's almost like a a simile too for people that aren't in the industry, but are on the consuming end is I, I see that same pattern through the research is, you know, you consume, consume and, like you were saying, oh, I need to be successful. I need to keep going. I've seen that that's how porn goes inside the brain, too, with the addictiveness, desensitization. Yeah. And I'm thinking for anyone listening, you know, we, we are jumping in quick, but whether you're a woman that struggled with watching pornography, um, whether you've lived a lifestyle that's synonymous with that type of lifestyle, as Josh was saying before he got into it, it's like, well, this isn't so different than what I'm seeing in society. We, I don't only capture it on film. You know, it's really how dating um, and young adolescents are interacting, my my hope is that you're hearing that lifestyle is not fulfilling. It's going to only cause a snowball effect. And I was looking at some research of the effects on like alcohol and hardcore drugs and then pornography on the brain. And they're very similar with how it dewires your dopamine levels. I mean, that point of like, okay, I'm at this point where I'm just no longer loving my life. I no longer feel fulfilled. I'm feeling all these heaps of anxiety or shame, how did you turn that off for a second and realize, okay, I need to come to something better. I need to fall in love with Christ. Because I feel like you have this window of, okay, well, I'm going to jump ship. Where am I going to jump to? What led you to choosing or falling in love with Christ at that point? I left the porn industry and I found uh, really just another drug. I got into the health and fitness space and I started you know, working at a gym, became a trainer, um, launched an online trading platform. I just, I fell in love with allowing, you know, me to be a small part in people leading themselves better. Um, and that would just, it was amazing. But at the same time, I wanted to become uh, the best trainer so that, again, notoriety, I, I was making good money. I was being a firm. And I was doing all these things. And while I was in that process, um, two years into that, so two years removed from being in the industry because when I left the industry, I deleted my social media, covered up uh, my tattoos, shaved my hair, did all these things where uh, I- Your witness I, protection program. Yeah. I, oh, I, I often say I tried to put what I believe to be enough good dirt on my bad dirt mm-hmm. so I didn't feel dirty and I'm there for two years and I meet this girl we go on a run and I share with her I'm like hey this is how bad I am um you don't want anything to do with me and she's like well 
you're not defined by the worst thing you ever died or the best thing you'll ever do. Do you know who God is? And this conversation led to church. Her inviting me to church a week later. And when I went to church a week later, I heard the gospel. And um, I realized that the, the father that I was searching for so desperately was waiting for me. And that, you know, the, the gospel, it it transcends whatever you've done. You know, that what's true is, Romans three twenty three. You know we're all guilty. Romans six twenty three. That that sin it separates us from God and leads to death. So we're all guilty. We're all deserving of death. But there is hope for each and every person. And his name is Jesus. And I heard that and responded to it. That person that I went on that walk with. That person that loved me enough to tell me the truth. But she did it with grace. Her name is Hope, and that's my wife. And we've been married almost eight years, and we have four boys. We just celebrated the birth of little baby Abel. He was born two weeks ago. And um, she's just the absolute best. And she's been so patient with me. Um, think about like Romans 2.4 talks about how um, it's God's love, his kindness, and his patience that leads us to repentance. And there's so many aspects of my wife that's incredible, but the way that she empathizes with me, the way that she's patient with me, and the perspective in which she sees me, um, it allowed me to see God for who he is, and we walked together. So we were individually pursuing Jesus and in love with him individually, and then we were committed to following him collectively. And um, for me, I just like I had to learn to be a son. Mm, yeah, the father, and then through learning to be a son, I learned to be a man, and that's the thing that everyone needs to know. Like you need to form your identity in Christ, and that allows you to see yourself rightly. And what I had to learn also is um, what's love, because all I knew was lust, and they're yeah. drastically different. But yeah, so you know, my wife Hope, she she shared with me with truth and grace and mercy um because if you love someone you tell them the truth right yeah and you don't sugarcoat it (laughs) yeah Yeah. so she told me the truth and that that truth it it led me to find the truth and Mm -hmm. um it's been a beautiful you know that was nine years ago and it's just been a really beautiful journey yeah thank goodness for hope right and for the friends and the people that point us back to the truth You've talked, you touched on like two or three different questions that I have going down. So I'm going to backtrack a little bit, but you talked about the difference in lust and love. And I think this is great because we're coming on, you know, some of the questions of, well, I'm dating someone that has struggled with or is struggling with porn. What is my role in that relationship? What are my expectations? Uh, First and foremost, I think it's great to distinguish or differentiate, you know, lust and love look and perform very differently. I, you know, I dated people before Arden that I was like, man, I can tell that you have good fruit in your heart, but without knowing the Lord, I can't trust you to lead me. I can't trust you to lead yourself. Like even the best intentions, the best fruit that we have, like you're saying, it needs to be rooted in the identity of Christ. So we know how to determine in our own hearts, man, I'm acting out of greed. I'm acting out of selfishness right now. I'm acting out of um, like this appetite I have of the flesh rather than satisfying that in the heart. And I was reading Ephesians 5, 3, and it links sexual immorality to greed. And I thought that's a great representation of lust. Like it can seem 
you know, like physical touch and words of affirmation, like I'm going to love bomb you, but what is it rooted to? Is it this greed of I need to satisfy myself or am I, like you're saying how hope was, you know, I I care for you, so I'm going to tell you the truth. I'm going to be selfless in my actions. I think that's a huge difference. We need to recognize how we treat others, how someone's treating us. One way we can change the culture around sexuality is by changing the way we view the miracle of life. I'd like to thank today's sponsor, Every Life, who's on a mission to create clean, premium diapers and protect both born and pre-born children. Part of the beauty in marriage is the gift of children. And even when we're single and dating, we too can share the message that they are so, that they are a miracle, they are a gift, and they are worth celebrating and fighting for. So if you're listening to this and thinking of someone you love that's raising little loved ones, or you're not in that season yet but want to help, what you can do is participate in their Buy for a Cause bundle. Now these go to organizations and families that are in the most need. If you'd like to be a part of change or help a family that's in need, you can go to everylife.com today. And if you're buying a bundle, you can use code ChristianB10 for 10% off your first purchase. Let's jump back into the episode with Joshua Groom. So the girl that's saying, I'm dating someone, you know, he's he has struggled with pornography. He's admitted to it. He wants to do better. What are some more examples of how um, hope has encouraged you? Like I personally, I think there's a fine line between someone taking on someone's problem and like, well, I'm going to fix him. Women tend to do that a lot. And oh, I'm going to walk with him. I'm going to pray for him. I'm going to point him to the right truth. What would you say if, you know, pretending you had daughters or you had a really close friend that was in that scenario, how would you guide them to walk the line of not taking it on, but doing as your wife did, like encouraging, edifying? What did that look like even more practically for her? Yeah, I, I would say, um, so I've been blessed to have a voice into Gen Z and I have a lot of people that I love and lead and a lot of them fall in, you know, that 18 to 30 demographic where um, they're, they're in that what ne- what's next, you know, either, you know, going from high school to college or college to, you know, the, the workforce or, you know, you're, you're leaving this level of accountability. And when you leave what you know, you leave the comfort of what you know, you leave, you know, this, this level of accountability in that like you're, you're not you know, completely leaving your parents, you're not leaving, you know, the, the friends that you had, but when you're, you know, living in a different place, doing a different thing, you, you don't have what you once had. And what it makes you really understand is, um, is my faith indicative of the relationship that I have with God, or has my faith been contingent on a place or a person? And it's like, man, if you don't have an independent dependency on Jesus, you're dependent on something else and that's idolatry and that always leads to death. And what I would say to the person that is in this space where you're dating someone and you know, they're, you know, check the fruit, right? Check, shake the tree. Um, and does their life look like someone that is following Jesus? And if you're someone who loves Jesus and you're interested in because it's it's easy to be interested to you know the boy or the girl that's attractive and they're charismatic and they, and they have all these things that you want but they're not committed to following Jesus today right now the best thing that you could do to them is share the gospel with them uh, not date them 
Like that, that would, that would not be healthy. It wouldn't be a good idea. Um, it doesn't mean that they, that you can't share the gospel with them, then get in community that, you know, you, uh, do life surrounded with them. And then eventually you date and fall in love and, 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 you know, get married. Like that's yeah. the best case scenario. But if you're you actually share the gospel, like on the couch with them, like watching. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, should, you be, should you be dating? Cause like, I mean, again, if, if I was speaking to the girl who is committed to following Jesus, should you be dating someone that is not committed to following Jesus? Right. No. I mean, that's just, that's just true because I, I know what it costs mm-hmm. to believe a lie. And it's like, and like you said earlier, it's easy to believe that we can change someone. We can't. We can only point them to the person that can. Right. Jesus. Um, but if you're someone that, you know, you're, 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 you're with someone that has a history of, you know, being very, you know, like living a life that, you know, was full of promiscuity or they were struggling with porn or maybe even confess that they're currently struggling with porn. I would say the thing that you can do to love someone the most is to be honest with them. And, you know, if, if they're a follower of Jesus, shame and guilt is the very thing that's keeping them stuck where they are. So I would say if you're in a situation where someone's saying, for example, hey, I have struggled with this in the past and I care about you to share this with you. Gosh, what a gift. That's someone you can trust. <laughs> you know, that's someone you can trust. If, if you're, if you're going to give someone a window into something that causes you shame, gosh, that person must be crazy about you. Mm. Yeah. But at the same time, it's healthy for you to say, do you have accountability in your life? Like, and then for you, it's like, okay, if promiscuity was a problem in your past, or maybe it's a problem in your life, and it's, it's something, bold. it's something that we're all susceptible to. Like, don't ever say right. that I would never do that because you certainly will end up doing that. So don't, don't say like, no, don't ignorantly believe that, you know, I'm, I'm so far from someone who could do that. So I would just say, be smart, um, create healthy boundaries. And if I would say a, a huge red flag would be if you share your boundaries with someone and there's pushback. Um, mm-hmm. it, like pushback and questions are different where it's like, you know, could you help me understand like why that's important to you? That'll be a healthy question. Why, why do you want to do that? Yeah. Maybe run. Yeah. <laughs> if there's gaslighting involved, let's get out of that right. scenario. Yeah. Or it's like, that's dumb. You know, it's like, that's, yeah. okay. they're, they're immature and they don't respect your boundaries. Because mm-hmm. if someone doesn't respect your boundaries, they don't respect you. And that's not someone that is pursuing Jesus. And that's definitely not someone that um, you want to pursue marriage with. Because if, mm-hmm. if you're dating for marriage and like you you see, okay, this is this person is exhibiting characteristics of someone that is, you know, entangled with lust or or they're you're not even sure that, you know, they know what love is. I mean, I would say that's that's not someone that you would want to be dating. And it is in, in the Bible allows us to to have this weapon. I, I, I like to to talk about the Bible. It's it's a gate and a weapon, right? So it protects you and it equips you. Yeah. And it allows us to know what's true. It's like, okay, what's love? Uh first Corinthians thirteen, four through seven. So love is patient, love is kind, love it it does not envy or boast, it's not arrogant 
or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It's not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Well, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Like, I mean, that that's a great picture into love, and it's a great picture into what you're going to need to so hold on to and cling on to in marriage. Like, mm-hmm. you know, you, you will be tested. <laughs> there will be, you know, when, when as you, uh, you know, we're, we're both, you know, and everyone is, you're, we're still broken. Uh, we're still imperfect. We're I mean, because of the fall. Like even though we are in a right standing with God because of the blood of Jesus, we're still imperfect. We still, you know, Romans seven. We still struggle with doing the things we ought not do and struggling with the things that we should do. So we're imperfect. So are we going to butt heads at times? Sure. Are we going to be irritable at times? Sure. And uh, if, if you're not committed to loving that person, and 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 love looks like I'm going to put you first. I'm going to show you patience. I'm going to you know, extend empathy for you. Um, you're you're going to get frustrated, and you're going to you know end up in a place where you don't want to be really quick. Yeah. Well, I love that your socials bio says zero percent perfect, a hundred percent forgiven, yeah. and it's so true. I mean, it's like the covering is the the righteousness that Christ gives us in His blood. It's not like okay, well, you checked the mark, Joshua. You can come into this. This is alive, right. but now it's like, no, I just lavish this on you. And like you're saying, we we all need that. So the person you're dating or the person that you are, if you're like, I, you know, I have messed up in the past, that shame tactic of, well, I can't come to Christ. It's it's the idea of we come into that covering out of love for Christ. And like we stay in that covering because of love for Christ. So have that that safeguard, like that gate, that weapon in your your mind and your heart of, well, I'm not going to go back to those things that didn't fulfill me, those things that break Christ's heart. And I would say too, if, if someone opens up to you that you are dating, it's like, well, I've struggled with this in the past. I want to be open with you. Knowing for me, a key determination of, well, I'm going to fix him. And he's only coming to me to share this. Is he going to openly share that with a mentor or a close person he can trust? Because it reminds me of the verse of, you know, I planted the seed, Apollos watered it. Like you need more people especially if you're coming out of the season of extreme brokenness of like, well, I need people that are going to remind me of truth. They're going to hold me accountable. So knowing like, well, I'm going to lead this person to the gospel and then hopefully we can fall in love, get married. That's amazing. Are they going to have other people in their corner? Are they going to have other men that they can talk to? Or if it is you personally, other women that you can talk to? Um, Because I've just heard so many people, and this part breaks my heart, I want to end on a, a, a healing message but i've heard people that are amazing friends of ours um, like more than one that have good marriages and then time comes when they're like in a lull or they're in a dry season and one of them turns to pornography and it comes from seeds planted years ago maybe they didn't go full into pornography in their singleness but like you said they were exposed to it at a young age and something was there and when they didn't have a strong community or a strong mind they turned back to it so what is, and I know this is probably not an easy short answer for you because it's a, a passion of yours, but what is something you would say to turning towards healing, especially someone right now that's like, man, I can't believe I'm turning to this. I want to break free. Lord, how do I break free from this? I want to be untangled. Yeah, it's such a good question. Um, I'd say two things. My life is different because Jesus shit, Jesus saved my life, but the Bible and the people of God 
transformed my life. Like the practicality of my life change was um, a man named Andrew Gates, who was my, you know, he, w- he was my pastor. He was my guy and he discipled me and he walked with me and he taught me how to read the Bible and he taught me how to study the Bible. But even more than that, he taught me what it meant to be a godly friend. And we would have these conversations every Friday. We called them hot conversations. So honest, open, transparent. Okay. And he would not only ask me if I was doing the right thing. He was asking me about my thought life, about, you know, I, I just came out of this, you know, I, I went through this, like such radical you know transformation. It happened so fast where like I was living this very promiscuous lifestyle, obviously. And then I give my life to Jesus. And then I, you know, pretty quickly start dating this girl that's a hundred percent committed to following Jesus. And I'm a hundred percent committed to following Jesus. And what that looks like is I'm going to you know, like no longer do the things that I have always done. And I think it's such a gift to get to truly know a person because to love a person, you have to know a person and something that was really eye opening and so helpful for me when we were doing premarital counseling was that it's so often that we, we try to love people the way that we receive love. So like for me, it's like personal touch, you know, gifts. And for my wife, disconnected time, like, like me being disconnected from everything but her. So like she, she wants, you know, time. Eyes, ears, heart, everything. <laughs> and, and I thought, okay, so if you want my time, if you want my attention, then um, I thought historically, okay, take you on dates, do things for you. So she wants, she wants me off my phone, not on a date, like maybe like us going on a picnic at a park and there's no one in the world and nothing that matters, but her, like she wants all of my attention. And what I struggled with is believing that I like, I didn't know how to do that and that I was worthy of that. Like, why would you want nothing else but me? And it was because I, I didn't love me and I had to learn to love me. And then the way that I learned to love me was understanding that Christ loved me. And he died on the cross and he proved it. And then th- so through that, I was able to see myself differently. So I, I, I say all that to say to the person who is walking through a season where You've done something you shouldn't have done. You found yourself in a place that you never thought you would be. Like we, we look at the life of Peter, like in John 21, where Jesus is confronting him, but he's saying, you know, do you love me? Yeah, I love you. Do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? And I love, like, if you look in the Greek, it, there's four different types of love in the Greek. It's like in, in the English, it's like, we say love. It's like, I could say, I love donuts. I love my wife. And they be the same, obviously. <laughs> um, but like in, in Greek, it's like the, like the words are very specific and they mean very specific things. So um, the two words that were being used was agape, which was the totality of love. This was, you know, a, 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 you know, a mirror of, God's love for his people, sacrificial, like absolutely selfless. Like this is, you know, the, the, 
the totality of love. And then you have phileo, which is like a brotherly love. Um, and then so Jesus saying, do you agape me? And Peter said, I phileo you. Again, do you agape me? I phileo you. And then the third time Jesus said, well, do you phileo me? And Peter said, yes. And I think what we can take from that is if we're willing to meet Jesus where we really are, he'll take us to a place that we never could have got to you all, but we have to be honest. That's good. Yeah. Because we are only as free as we're honest and we're only as healed as we're honest. And, and back to your point, it's like, if you're not completely healed, you're not completely free. If you're not completely surrendered, you're partially broken. And what that leads itself to is if I'm not fully null, if I'm not fully for, if I'm not fully surrendered, if I'm not like, here's who I am and people know me and, and I know that, you know, I'm just laying all of my life down. There's something that's disconnected from God entering in this place and loving me. And it's not that he, that I'm stopping him, you know, I'm stopping my perception mm-hmm. of who he is and who, and who he's calling me to be. And I, I wrote this, you know, I, I did the social media, a social media post yesterday. And it's a, it's a big part of my book where it just said, sex is not intimacy. Mm-hmm. There was a poll, 10,000 people. If I say intimacy, what's the first thing you think of? In, in 91% of people said sex. Mm-hmm. And what's true is intimacy is not sex. Intimacy is proximity to God. Mm. So if you're not satisfied in your relationship with God, saturated in the word of God, you're not truly experiencing the intimacy that your heart's longing for in this world that's full of counterfeits. And if you've been taking in counterfeits and you've not healed from that, you're going to long for something that you don't have because you're not experiencing what you were designed to experience. You're, you're, and you're incapable of loving yourself in the way that God designed you to love yourself. So it leaves you being incomplete in the way that you love people because you always will be an outpouring of your inward health. Mm-hmm. So that's why you're, you're, you're only capable of loving someone as well as you are healed and honest. So I would just say, man, um, Romans 8, 1, if you're a follower of Jesus, there's, therefore there's no condemnation. That is, you know, there's no condemnation. There's no condemnation for the follower of Jesus Christ. So shame and guilt people keep people stuck. Right. There's freedom where the spirit of the Lord is. There's freedom where there's confession. So gosh, if you're struggling with something or you're wrestling with something, and you have let people into your life, like regardless of how high you might be up in your organization or status, you always need people in your life, at least one person that knows the nitty gritty. You know, you, you need your spouse and you need, you know, uh, if you're a woman, you need a woman in your life that knows the things you struggle with, the things that frustrate you, 
Like there, there needs to be a person in your life you can talk about with anything that loves you enough to, you know, the wounds of a friend that, that'll, you know, that'll call you up and call you out. You need someone that will stab you in the front. You need someone that will, hey, uh, you're you're not living up to the person I know you to be. Like what's going on? Why, why are you why, why are you saying these things um, that are you know indicative of the person I need you to be? Like you're, you're acting the way that's different than the person I know you are. What's going on? And if you have that relational equity, there will be hey, you know what? I'm really tired, or I'm frustrated in this aspect of my life, or well, whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. And if you confess it while it's early and it's small, it'll never yeah. get to place where you do something that's going to tear your life apart and hurt the person that you love most. That's so good. I think that's one of the best practical, but also deeply spiritual elements we can walk away with this. And it's like, we all struggle, but the more we hide things in secret and let them fester, that's how they turn into the, how did I get here moments? And I know personally, and from friends too, if you're someone that's like that shame is just echoing in the back of your mind and you're like, well, I don't want to be known by my mistakes. No, if you make things known, people aren't going to know you by them. They're going to help you not be known by them. So vulnerability can be scary. It can be daunting, but just take that first step and you'll find so much freedom in it. You mentioned you have a book and you share things on social. How can people find your book and find you if they want to keep learning or hearing more uh, from what you're sharing, Joshua? Yeah. So uh, on social, all of my socials are I am Joshua Broom. And um, if it doesn't have a blue check mark, it's not me. There's yeah. hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of, <laughs> of fake ones out there. So um, all the verified platforms, that's me. And uh, my book is called Seven Lives That Will Ruin Your Life. It comes out March 5th. And I'm so excited about that book. And um, it's it's uh, little snapshots of my story. But really the overarching theme is if you believe a lie to be true, it's true to you. And through that lie, you'll see the world. In your heart, it's broken. Um, Jeremiah talks about how your heart is deceitful um, and you we can't trust it. Uh, so your heart actually longs for the things of the world and the world is trying to conform you into believing uh, this is what success looks like. This is what identity looks like. This is what you know intimacy is. And there's uh, just these seven big lies that the world says, um, th- this is what brings happiness. This is what brings joy. But there's the word of God that is true. And I talk about what those truths were regarding combating that lie and how believing what is true allowed me to experience freedom, heal, and have hope and be healthy. We have so many people in the church that are forgiven, but they're not healed. And my hope for this book is that lies are confronted and healing is found and the byproduct of that is is more healthy marriages, more healthy people, and more people share the thing that matters most. And to me, that's the gospel. Amen. So good. Well, thank you for what you're doing. Thank you for taking time to come on here and uplift and encourage us, give us some guidance, and be sure to check out his book when it comes out in March. Joshua, thank you for joining us. Absolutely. Thank you so much. <laughs>